June is Audiobook Month. Join Viviana, the Enchantress of Books, and the Audiobook Lovin' series as she celebrates the authors and narrators who bring your favorite stories to life. Not only will this month be packed with exciting guest podcasts full of all things books, but stick around after each episode for some special information about this year's giveaway and more. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Season 9, Episode 18 of this year's Audiobook Loving Series. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with narrator Bridget Bordeaux. Welcome, Bridget. How are you doing today? I'm doing so well. I'm so excited to talk to you again. We got the chance to meet in person at an event a few months ago, and I'm like counting down the days until I get to talk to you again. So it's been so much fun. <laughs> I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We'll start with having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been narrating, and how you got started. Awesome. I... <laughs> <laughs> I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts in acting. So I went to school for performance and I graduated in 2015. And then my husband and I, Jake, moved to Louisiana for him to do a master's program in acting. And we were in a show with another actor who does audiobooks in New York. And she said, hey, this is a great side hustle for actors. You guys should check it out. We got coffee with her. She kind of gave us the ins and outs and the basics of ACX and setting up a studio. Jake graduated. We moved across the country, did a few theater stuff, and he happened to win a microphone from Performance Now Audio on Twitter. And he started narrating and going for it. And I said, that's so wonderful for you. No one will want to listen to my voice. So you can do that. And I will keep doing stage acting and doing other odd jobs. And in 2018, 2019, uh, I think it was like December 2018, I finally caved and said, okay, I'm just going to put my samples up on ACX and see what happens. And the next day I had an offer for like a 40 minute project that took me two weeks to do. <laughs> but then I fell in love with it and I started doing a few more projects. And then I got my first romance offer and I was like, I don't know if I want to narrate romance. I don't know if I can. And I said, well, I'll give it a try. And I did it. And then the jobs kept coming. And I eventually brought Jake over with me to do the romance audiobook stuff. And we were doing it pretty like maybe I think I did maybe five or six books that year. And then when the pandemic hit in 2020, I think I lost about five theater jobs within two weeks. And I said, OK, I'm going to need to pivot pretty hard and been doing it for about four years. And I've only had like a two week lull at the very beginning where I didn't have a project. And now I have over 200 audiobooks and and booked out for over a year in advance and it's a wild journey <laughs> oh my goodness if I'm a fellow freelancer the fact that you're booked out a year and out I'm so happy and excited for you because goodness yeah. it's always the ooh, what's where's the next project coming from even if you are booked four months out you're still you know weird and kind of freaking out right a little bit so that's awesome that's kind yeah. of weird because that's so expected in the theater world where I'm doing stage acting or I'm like, oh, I have a job for about eight weeks and then when's the next job? And so it's very weird having job security. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's fascinating how that calendar loveliness happens for you guys as, as narrators 
in, you know, scheduling things out and ensuring that, you know, you schedule some time, you know, called a break every once Never in a while. I'm going to publicly say, I am so proud of you and so happy <laughs> for you because you did it. You took like what, two days off and you shared it with the rest of us, almost like giving us also permission to do it as well, which I appreciate. I'm like, well, as Bridget, she, AKA workaholic can take a day off here. So could I, maybe, can. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did it on Saturday. Yeah. It was my first like planned day off where I actually, well, I still kind of did work. Uh-huh. Don't tell anybody. I, I read a book <laughs> that I was prepping, but I was like, I want to read this anyway. So. Okay. I, I see what you did there. Um, <laughs> whatever helps keep our mental sanity. And I know the little I have left, I need to hold on to it to dear life. So even <laughs> if it's on the day off, if I'm working on a graphic that will happen to end up on my social media, talking about, I don't know, books in one case or another, I'm okay with that. <laughs> so, yeah, but I did want to say that that's, um, you are a workaholic and you, you know, you have kind of shared your journey with all the stuff that you've been doing lately on social media and you're just such a fantastic job of giving us behind the scenes stuff recordings you actually kind of have like a new thing going on where you're talking to the indie authors and the authors out there via your videos about the whole process of getting their titles into audio which is great because there's a lot of fantastic information out there but unfortunately there's a lot of information out there and we sometimes it's harder to figure out which one is accurate versus not absolutely yeah. And there's also some folks that are charging, I'm seeing now for that information that's already available for free that other creators have provided for free. And so the fact that you're doing it and giving people that insight and knowledge on a platform that anyone can basically access is fantastic. How What, what made you want to do that? I came into the community and was met with a lot of gatekeeping, honestly, from kind of an older guard of audiobook professionals. And I didn't like that. <laughs> No one does. I know. <laughs> so I I do try to, I mean, I'm not an expert. I've only been doing this for four years. And so there are lots of things that I don't know. But I really recognize the artistry in authorship and being a voice actor and a narrator. And as an artist, I know how hard it is to be an artist and I want to do what I can to support other artists, especially it seems to be in this community, a lot of really, really incredible women and femme presenting people who are a part of this industry and making names for themselves and providing for their families and giving themselves artistic expression and freedom and building community. And I think that is so important and I don't want to monetize aiding that so that's great again like i said a lot of this information because there's a lot i mean i love the fact that i can google the shit out of anything but that also means that in between all these informations there's a lot of inaccurate stuff so finding someone that knows what they're doing you know regardless if it's been a few years or not i mean a lot of people become subject matter experts in a couple of days on certain things but a process like this where the information's out there it, it kind of has upset me a little bit and okay i'm not gonna lie it's fucking pissed me off that there's some people out there that are monetizing the information that is free already out there and unfortunately authors in their desire to get things out there available just sometimes fall into that trap and so it's just one of those where i've been making sure that I'm resharing, reposting things like how when you share stuff and Paige is another uh, narrator that shares a lot of information on her socials. 
that is just great for whether you're an author trying to get into audiobooks or you're a listener trying to get into listening to audiobooks. It's just great info and insight. So I thank you so much for doing that. It's been great to see that. Oh, welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to be helpful and honest. Like I don't feel like I'm doing anything like particularly special or anything. I'm just trying to be open and honest and communication. And I do want to help folks. And obviously I charge for like my narration services. I will charge for um, when I do like performance coaching for other narrators. But yeah, I really encourage authors to just reach out and talk to narrators and maybe multiple narrators. I try to really embrace an idea of there's no pressure to hire me. Like I'm not going to try and like scoop you up and put you on my <laughs> schedule. I just want to be there to answer questions as best as I can, because there is a lot of misinformation out there. And there's just a lot of information to sift through. And it can be very overwhelming to sift through that, especially if you haven't done it before. So I will just encourage authors to just reach out and ask, especially going straight to most narrators are so happy to help and answer questions. Yeah. Us and a lot of people don't know that you guys as narrators, as individual, whether you have a narration partner like you do with Jake, or if you do a book solo, you can also produce the book yourselves. And it's just sometimes we don't stop to think that the narrator is also the producer. And so they help the author with that whole entire process. So who better to ask than a narrator? Hey, what does that look like? Uh, you know, once I pay you for your voice and your performance, what, what, what next? <laughs> uh, it, it's, so it's important to do that. And yeah, I mean, I know that that's why I was like, why are you laughing? It's, it's, it's you know, you're such good people. And I think it's important to to say thank you when people are doing good and acknowledging them and helping them out and sharing the words for the word. And, and so I was, I was glad that when I saw you do it, I was like, oh, look at her. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I loved her. <laughs> <laughs> Besides her sassiness and her sarcasticness and also her voice, it's just fantastic. She's like, here's oh. another reason to love me. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's like, again, it's one of those where it's appreciated. And now in the years that you've been narrating, obviously your process from the first time you ever get hired or do an audition to where you are now, when, you know, once you've been cast that prep process, what does that look like for you now? Oh, wow. Um, I think the biggest difference is volume <laughs> projects <laughs> where when I first started, it was, I would work on one project for two weeks and then move on to the next project for two weeks or three weeks and then move on to the next one. And if I open up my schedule here, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 projects that are in some sort of process. <laughs> oh, 13. I'm so sorry. I lied. <laughs> so I guess it's finding a balance of being able to produce so much pretty rapidly, I would say. I have a great team of people. I have an engineer. I have spicers. I have a PA. I have uh, proofers, have ARC listeners and reviewers and folks like that who all help me do all of that. So from it starting with just me doing it all by myself to having this team of incredible people that I get to work with has been kind of the biggest change. And the audiobook industry is fairly new in comparison to most ind industries and it's changing all the time. So just being open and understanding that it's changing and evolving and that my process should also be changing and evolving and always trying to 
make things cleaner, more efficient, opening myself up to be able to do more narration as opposed to doing narration and then all of the production and all of the administration and the like. Because in between all that stuff, you have to prep the book to figure out if that character has a Russian accent in chapter 44. (laughs) Before Um, you get to chapter 44, rather. (laughs) I will read the book and then... I have a character information sheet that I will send to the authors that has them list out the main characters that will be where they're from, how old they are, their education level, three adjectives to describe them. If they have like a celebrity that it's has been inspired the character and then kind of like given circumstantial information that will inform who the character is. So that's kind of the tools I use to create and generate characters. And then Jake and I, if we're doing a duel, we will discuss character voices and try to find a good match with our voices for that. If we're doing a duet, we also communicate with that. I'm also kind of the artistic director of our business. So I will usually assist in dictating how the voices sound. We're used to either solo narration or dual narration. And with the duel being, you know, changing POVs between usually the heroine and the hero, having that balance of making sure that you and your co-narrator have some that, that concept and that thoughts down. So mm-hmm. at least there's some similarities because otherwise it can throw a listener off. I mean, I've listened to a book where she does the accents and he does not. <laughs> and I'm going, hmm, communication. That's one of my pet peeves as a listener as well. When there's like an obvious, like shared common name that's mispronounced between so I I totally understand that there are things that are going to slip through the cracks, obviously, but I try really hard to make sure that there is a unity in our shared world between Jake and I. That also helps that we've been together for 10 years and have acted together for over 10 years and know each other very well. And I haven't done too much narration with other narrators, but I've done a few and I always want to make that a priority to be like making sure we're in the same vein and same world. And yeah, because I see it. That's it's important. You can throw a listener off completely. And of course, we'll end up in that review. So <laughs> it's, it's important <laughs> to try to get it. You are human. We have it, but it, it's it's important. Now, with the kind of characters that you guys uh, are voicing, it, it varies from the happy-go-lucky friend that popped into that one scene that you might give that bubbly voice to, then and all of a sudden ends up being the main character in book five of the series, and you're going, fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> how do you go about deciding how these characters are going to sound so things like that also doesn't happen? But you also have a huge range in your toolbox of, you know, your your tones, so that's great. Yeah, um, I think that is both a skill that Jake and I have that makes us very valuable especially because we found ourselves really thriving in the Y choose RH realm. And so there's multiple, especially for Jake, where he's having to voice multiple male characters, main characters. And if it's a duel, I also have to kind of slip into that as well. I'm really on the bandwagon in the narration style of making very distinct character choices for all of the characters. I, of course, am acting the intention and the like, but I also do want to give the re- or the listener as many tools as possible to understand the story. So the more that I can adapt and change my voice to help share the story and have it be character driven, that's what I'm kind of going to go for. And I kind of live in, I kind of have a variety of vocal placements, essentially, that my 
characters all live in and then I'll have slight variations within that. So I have kind of more of my natural voice, which is here. I can go up a little bit higher with a little bit more energy. And that's usually the more bubbly characters. I can go a little bit higher and really be very specific about using my range and kind of the pitch and flow of the range. And then I have my characters that drop down pretty low and kind of use that vocal fry. So there's just little tools that I can use where I can go, here's my mid voice, and I'm going to add a little bit of air onto my mid voice. Here's my higher voice, and I'm going to add a little bit of air onto my higher voice. And here's my lower voice, and I'm going to add a little bit of air onto my lower voice. So it's kind of figuring out which of those tools that I have in my pocket are going to best fit with the character descriptions that I've gained from reading the book and then with working with the author and seeing how they are perce- perceiving their characters. The other thing that we're our suckers for is when it comes down to the audiobook community are these accents that you guys do. <laughs> I think part of it is because especially here in the States, we have what well, we have one or two that we're like, ooh, but then there's all these plethoras or it's just, Still, accents are fun, and but they're also oh, yeah. sexy. Um, what's your favorite accent to perform? Mm, I like a really nice RP, that kind of posh British. It's probably where I sit the best. I. It's funny you mention accents. I've <laughs> just gotten off of two weeks straight of almost exclusively narrating in about 10 different dialects, and my brain is <laughs> struggling. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, to go back to your normal accent normal voice or just trying to keep track of everything because um, <laughs> well it's always interesting knowing like the origins and etymology of dialect and accent so there'll be times where I will be doing like I finish narrating with a Scottish dialect and then in the next book is a southern dialect and I have a really hard time sometimes because they do have similarities in terms of the rules of the dialect and so if my brain has been stuck in the certain rules and oral posture and I switch to a new one that has similar rules it'll switch over and try to follow that so I think I did yell at myself a bit the other day recording and I I saved it because for Gina's audiobook month everyone's asking for bloopers but I think I'm just yelling, I'm not Scottish. I'm not Scottish. Stop. Just because I couldn't get out of it. I was supposed to be Southern and my mouth did not want to be Southern. <laughs> Does it follow you outside the booth? Like when you're supposed to be quote unquote done with recording for today and now you're pouring your coffee or your dinner and all of a sudden your accent still comes out? Yeah. One of the best practices you can do for a dialect and accent is just to speak it as much as possible. So I will carry that with me, especially if it's an accent that I'm not super comfortable with. And my brain likes to get stuck in that. And then I don't know if you saw, I did a, I tried to do an author PSA, like we were talking about earlier. And I re-recorded it about six or seven times because I could not get out of the Scottish dialect. And I said, you know what, fuck it. I'm just gonna, (laughs) it's just gonna (laughs) slip in. I wanna share this information and it's gonna be a little silly. <laughs> the my rolled R's and my vowels been a little weird, but this is information. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you're also showcasing the awesomeness that is your skill set. So it's a win-win in my case. <laughs> I'm saying it's a good Scottish dialect in that instant. <laughs> Girl, I'm trying to help you here. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes. Yes. Please, please see my skills. Wow. They're so impressive. No. I was very fortunate in undergrad to have an excellent education in terms of vocal performance. That's vocal technique and health, but also a lot of that was learning how to learn how to do dialects. So not only learning how to do dialects, but learning to find one that I don't know how to do and teaching myself how to do it. Because it's hard. I mean, I, I remember going to, so I tend to pick up some of the accents pretty quickly when I'm visiting places or where I'm speaking to someone that has one and it's not meant as a mimic or anything. Just that's just how my brain works. So when I go to Savannah, Georgia, yeah. after a few days, I'm starting with a little bit of that Southern Savannah, Georgia accent. Yeah. But it's, it's been like 20 plus years since I went to Boston for a week. And to this day, I still have to say the word car specifically in that like I'm going to say like normal because it comes out like, Hey, I'm going to be at the car, <laughs> you know, yeah. for some reason, I just kept that word. Us. Yeah. Myelinated sheaths will pop up every once in a while that you're not aware of and they can stick pretty quickly. Yeah. I'm like of all the words, car. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not, I mean, how often do we really say that word to begin with? So maybe I'm kind of grateful at the same time, but still <laughs> could have been worse. I'm going to go to the potty. I don't know, whatever, but it's, 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 for me, it's fascinating because I'm like, I pick it once or twice, but the variety of it is, especially when there is a difference, like that Southern triangle, Savannah, Georgia versus Atlanta and, you mm-hmm. know, Texas. And the listeners that are from there will be like, that does not sound like an X, Y, Z. And I'm like, yeah, that always cracks me up. And they're like, that's not a Southern dialect. I'm like, which, which one? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which one? (laughs) There's many. (laughs) So yeah, even here in Florida, a lot of times people think they, they, they look at me like you have an accent and I'm like, mm, I'm sure I do. I just don't know what to tell you because I don't can't I can't figure it out myself. Um, being bilingual, first generation American. I live in Florida. <laughs> as soon as yeah, you get I higher. Would say if I listen to your dialect, I would say you have a little bit of a southern influence, but mostly I think your influence is coming from maybe a Hispanic heritage. Yeah. Like I said, first generation. My dad was from Cuba. My mom's from Chile. So I have. Mm-hmm. And we spoke English outside of the house and Spanish on the inside only. So there's certain things that I'm sure there are words that I'll say that are more like, mm, okay, that's a little bit more from Miami versus, you know, others, you know, outside of cities. But yeah, it's, yeah. but even here in Florida, the moment that you get stuff, you know, more north of Orlando, all of a sudden you're like, are you sure we're still in Florida? Or we're not in like another Southern <laughs> like state. And and that's the other thing too. Like people are from Florida. Like you guys are from the South. Why don't you guys have a Southern accent like Georgia does or North Carolina stuff like that? I don't know. Different. I just live have a lot of the Hispanic influence there and different colonizers came to yeah. influence the language. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's it's it's. This is also the fact that she picked that up is how awesome she is on her skill sets. But yeah, it's it's. I love accents, and and when you guys do it, it's always like, oh, that moment of like, that's awesome, and I'm like, yay! And then yeah, I it's still- a true blessing for us mm-hmm. because we often have, yeah, you have seven guys, <laughs> one of them gets a dialect, and you're like, thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> but you know that authors really love to do that, right? They seem to put all the characters together in either a dinner party scenario or they're fighting with each other because there is some form of a mobster planning party. I, I don't know. know. There's seven of them. Yeah. And you're going, okay, challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm, yeah, the lizard, I'm like, ooh, how's she going to do that? Okay, let's see. 
you know, kind of figuring that out, but it's been great. Very careful. <laughs> <laughs> what type of character do you like to voice? Mm. I really like the snarky, badass kind of lady with an attitude. <laughs> um, I think I'm very gifted in understanding how comedy works, especially on stage. So I will do a lot of like farce and comedic roles is often what I'm cast in. I love the challenge of bringing the humor in an audiobook to life. And we're very lucky that we are often working with very funny authors with very funny characters. And so I kind of relish that challenge of finding the humor. I also probably am most well known for Geraldine from Zodiac Academy. And she is just an absolute gift. Not many authors say, hi, here's this wild character. Go as hard as you can. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's what I like to do. Characters that are just a little bit other, different, mm-hmm. um, unexpected, uh, wild. I think my voice lives best kind of down here in this kind of character. So when I don't have to push my voice too hard, that's always nice. Yeah, I got to see firsthand. Uh, I don't want to say put you guys in the spot, but at the convention that we did, we did a panel where we had the narrators read just about anything and gave them the choice of making it sound like however they wanted. And of course it being a romance convention of sorts, they all, a lot of them try to do sexy and my God, did they, I say try, but they like completely nailed it. And the stuff that you were doing was was a a mix between the sexy and the comedic. And I'm like, where is she pulling this shit from? Because it was fantastic. And I was like, wow. And the audience loved it. And, And that's one of the other things I was like totally crushing on you with it. Um, it was literally, like I said, it was putting you guys on the spot, but you guys killed it and it was just so much fun. Yeah. What were you thinking when you're, you know, in that scenario, when you're literally given directions to, you know, what was one of the things that you did? Shoot. I'm throwing a blank now because it was just so good too at the same time. I think I did a pasta recipe. Yes. Recipes were one of them, you know? Um, (laughs) Yeah. There were some things that were just thrown in my hand. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it was, but it was like as if you rehearsed it. I mean, it was like you knew exactly what you were doing. Nothing, you know, nothing frailed you. Nothing. It was just perfect, and you were just doing it. And one of the scenes was almost like an entire sex scene happening uh, in front of us. And we're, but it was just literally directions to a recipe. And I don't think we will ever look at that recipe ever the same again. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That that was so fun. And I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of what we do. I. I especially for me. I mean, I read the book, but I don't do much prep beyond that. I don't really mark up the script or anything like that. Um, so it's not necessarily a cold read, but some of the books I do do a cold read on and you just have to give the same level of performance and effort and understanding. The great thing about this industry is that it's tropey. And I don't mean that in like a negative way. There's very established kind of ideals around certain tropes. And so, you know, where most things are going to be heading and always, trying to be truthful about giving the authenticity of character and the storyline, but also having an understanding as the producer and not just the performer about what an audience wants to hear. Because you get that benefit of straddling so many different roles in the audiobook that you're you're doing at the moment that you kind of get all that insight into different yeah. 
facets of it. Yeah. Is there a genre that you have yet to narrate that you'd like to? Mm, I haven't done many um, like rom-com MF. I think I could slot pretty well into there. Most of my stuff is paranormal, really dark. (laughs) (laughs) So I haven't really tapped into like the lighter contemporary side of things. Um, But part of me is like, would that be boring? I don't know. (laughs) Oh, I think you'd be awesome at it just because your comedic timing is so good. You know, and sometimes these authors put their heroines in a predicament where we're going, yeah, I'd be mortified, but that's funny. If someone, I was happening to someone else, I'd be mortified, but yeah. And your comedic timing is awesome. So I can totally see you doing romantic comedies. I might be too close to the situations because I feel like I'm often like awkward main character energy where like crazy things happen to me. And I'm just like, wow, am I in a book right now? (laughs) Where are the cameras and who's recording? (laughs) Like, man, this is too close. Too close. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That emo would be kind of like, excuse me, ma'am. Yes, author. Were you? (laughs) How did you know? How did you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there are, you know, you were talking brief about tropes and, you know, that right now, the way that this industry is from, you know, with, with the listeners, it used to be like, what's your favorite genre? And it was, you know, paranormal, anything that's under the umbrella of romance, you know, contemporary Amish. I mean, it runs the gamut now, yeah. though. It's one of those. The question is more often asked, what's your favorite trope? Mm. And that's where we get the, you know, grumpy cinnamon, grumpy sunshine. Ah, there's so many. Um, I personally sometimes feel that some of these tropes can be a bit of a spoiler, like surprise baby. I'm like, I kind of wanted to know that while I was reading, damn it. True. But I get it. I get it. And it's it's fantastic do, do, that we have these variety of options and people can specifically decide that I want to do X, Y, Z. And that's fat. great. Is there a particular type of trope that you love to narrate? Mm, I... I will narrate almost anything and I will find enjoyment in almost anything. I'm also notoriously horrible at like picking favorites and anything. You could ask me, what's your favorite color? And I'd be like, what's your favorite food? I don't know. I know what I don't like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think my probably one of my favorite tropes is like the hidden girl. I've always really loved that. Ooh. I love enemies to lovers. I just did a dark friends to lovers, which I didn't know <laughs> went together. Me neither. I was like, oh, I didn't realize that these. <laughs> I mean, usually it's the whole enemies to lovers because it's dark romance. You know, yeah. he kidnaps her. He kills somebody in her life. I don't know. Fill in the blank. But dark friends to lovers. Yeah. Like, I see yeah. where the mafia man. bird by Alicia Williams. Little bird, and it is uh dark. So I'm gonna look that up. That one just, yeah, that never heard of that one. Dark friends to lovers. I know hmm. it, it was kind of shocking. I was like, oh, I really like working with Alicia though. She always does like, she always adds. She takes like a genre or popular trope and like adds something to it, and so it's fun to read her stories. Yeah, I, I do love it when the authors get creative and kind of mix things in together and give us a little bit of everything. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, OK, when you write it, I'm really good into that, uh, you know, that genre, that trope. So it's fun to have those those authors that just doesn't matter what they write. We're just going to love it. Yeah. Those automatic buys. Yeah. What about um, different scenes, whether it's the meet cutes, that moment that they're having that banter that just, you know, is going to lead to something, you know, steamy. What kind of scenes do you love? to do 
I think like the catalyst or the, like the, the snap, the crack, the, <laughs> the straw that breaks the camel's back kind of thing, where they just, all this tension is building up, building up, building up, and then it snaps and cracks. That's always fun to perform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you're not performing and working, what do you do for fun? I really enjoy food. Um, so Jake and I, We'll go and try new restaurants, um, especially if we're traveling when we have time. I've always really, really loved reading. So when I get the opportunity to read something that's not on my work list, that's always a treat. I love like the grew up doing the epic fantasies and Brandon Sanderson and Robert Jordan. So being able to get back in there is always fun. I love doing crossword puzzles. I will sometimes do painting and art in that vein. I'm really, really, really lucky in my life that both kind of avenues of my careers in terms of performing on stage and doing audiobooks are things that I really, really, really love and things that are really fun for me. So those are like my hobbies and my passions and my careers. <laughs> Which is why you have trouble disconnecting and not quote unquote Ooh, working. Like, have so much fun doing it. Yeah. Well, I mean, they say that, that as the saying goes, right? Um, if it's if it's what is it? If it's work, it's not fun kind of thing. What is that? How does that go? Oh, it doesn't have uh, to be work if it's fun. Oh shoot! I something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the worst at that game, so don't yeah. Ask me. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, someone it, asked it, me a question at um, Readers Take Denver about how jake and i will rewrite the lyrics to songs and make them dirty and they're like show us one and i was like i've never even heard of music before what i i've never heard a song in my life i could not come up with a single <laughs> song so when you're traveling in your car just hanging out you'll bust out with that stuff but in the moment yeah it's hard it's hard sometimes i, I draw blanks i'm like i i speak for a living i do this for yeah uh-huh <laughs> yeah i'm like i don't know <laughs> What's your favorite book? I've never read mm. anything. I've never read a book. <laughs> I, don't, I can't even read. I don't know. Yep, I hear you. Yeah, like a lot of people were like, oh, the, especially the, the readers when they're busting out with, oh, I love it when people ask me for recommendations. I love it too. But then it's almost like I draw a blank and then I'm now asking, now I become a detective, do you prefer this or that? And that's kind of mentally I start remembering who my favorites are. Because <laughs> otherwise I'm like, time. oh. I'm trying to formulate an answer. Yeah. <laughs> Yet again, when we just shoved you a recipe, you were able to perform that if quickly. So it's it's funny how our brains work. Uh, oh, absolutely, yeah. I'll I'll read anything and make it dirty, but don't don't ask me to <laughs> improvise. <laughs> That's not my skill. <laughs> well, you know, you can't be great at everything, right? We were having to find something really like hard. This point, <laughs> yeah, because at this point, you're going like we everything's awesome that she does. Everything's great. Where's her fault? Oh, okay, she does an improv. Fine. That would be your <laughs> look that's she's human folks don't ask me questions on the spot can't yeah. do it <laughs> you're doing great here i mean because okay. i didn't give you these questions in advance so <laughs> so the one of the things that you guys do as a production company is that you have a scholarship for authors to get their titles in audio can you tell us a whole lot about that <laughs> oh sure <laughs> um i love working with indie authors. I work with a variety of publishers and production companies and 
they're all great people and I love working with them as well. And a lot of the people that I'm doing the books for are indie authors, but I love working with the indie authors directly. I've made some incredible indie author friends and being able to share that connection with an author of bringing their book baby to life is something that I find really special and really fulfilling. And so with our demand um, and because of like trying to do this sustainably and being able to have a living and survive, you know, those things that you need to do in the world. We have had to increase our rates slowly over the years. I've always told Jake that I never want to go so, so high that it's like very hard to find people to work with us. I want to stay into a range where indie authors feel like we are accessible because that's where I find the most joy and passion working with. But I also understand that our rates are high because I think we have a very quality product and I respect the work and the training and the effort we put into things. So we have... I feel like market value rates, but I also recognize that that's not attainable a lot for new indie authors who have never produced audio. We don't do any sort of royalty share projects at this point in our careers. And I know that's often a great jumping off point for newer authors. And I also recognize that a lot of the narrators that they make come across doing that royalty share are newer narrators who aren't necessarily bad, but don't have any sort of like name or brand behind them. There are also some not great narrators out there who are new. And then there's a whole issue with dealing with AI and either going directly through AI companies to produce audiobooks or people using AI to be like, hi, I'm Bridget. I'm a narrator. Here's my narration, but it's actually just an AI program. And so I wanted to create an opportunity where new authors who haven't done audio yet before have an opportunity to work with established narrators to be able to produce their first audiobook so that they have a good, clean experience, that I am there as a resource for them to ask questions and kind of handle the production aspect of it and know that it's going to be totally fine and <laughs> there's not going to be any issues because I've done this a few times. So essentially the idea is that Jake and I work for free. We do our narration for free. We've only done one year of it and we're still developing. This year, we just essentially had the author that we're working with pay for a little bit of the post-production. So a royalty share plus deal. And then we will split royalties with that author. This is still a program that's in development and there may be changes about how we handle that. But I wanted to find a way to give back to the indie author community that trusted in me when I started and have all influenced me being in the place I am and living the life that I love and having these incredible opportunities. So that's kind of a very brief, short description. <laughs> no, that I think it's important to have those conversations because a lot of readers sometimes will complain that a cost to get the audiobook in their earbuds is expensive. Mm -hmm. But the reality mm -hmm. of it is producing and making that book into audio is expensive. Is it hundreds of thousands of dollars? No, it's, you know, there's different ways to do it where you're not, you know, literally giving your first born or your front leg or whatever into it. But there is a lot of stuff that goes into it from paying the art, you know, the, the narrators and that's their due, you know, they have skill sets, mm -hmm. they have followings, they have to get paid, but there's also the, the post-productions and everything that goes along with it. And authors sometimes think that it's just a matter of getting it done, but I'm like, no, you have to market it. 
And so I, I understand where the royalty share is very attractive to some people when they want to do it and it works great. But you, the author also has to do the work on promoting the book, not just the narrator and then vice versa. The narrator also has to promote the book, not just the author. There's a lot of collaboration that should be happening. Yeah. Unfortunately, does not in some cases. And that's where, you know, things get not so nice in the sense of like, where's in the next audio? I'm like, I can't afford it. I'm like, well, why? I'm like, well, here's all the reasons. So having an opportunity to work with you guys to do something like this, where you're providing the guidance and effort, but you're also giving back is fantastic. Does this, is this information up on your website or is it just kind of have to, like if someone's interested in potentially applying to get in there, how does one do that? So I, I don't know if it's up right now, but we essentially just had a Google application form. I didn't know how much interest it was going to be, receive from last year. I didn't really know kind of the scope of what was going to happen. I didn't, I, I had an idea that I wanted to give back to the community in some way and recognize that this is how I'm going to start with it for this year. And then we'll see how it evol evolves and grows as we continue through. So I believe I will be opening the applications for new authors who have not produced audio in June to start doing the vetting process because it, it is an application and we're looking at the sale, the sales rank and the reviews because we want to also give the author a good experience with audio and so if it looks like their book will at least have a decent chance of selling well that's what we're looking at and so it's we we kind of vet the process and see okay is this actually a new author you know all of that kind of things and trying to find a good person to work with and kind of share that with I think I'm going to be starting that in June and it'll be an application that can be found on my link tree I'll post about it on social media but of course authors are always welcome to reach out to me via the website or via email and ask questions about it sorry that's a little nebulous but I'm still it's still <laughs> still trying to build up to it and figure out what it needs to be and make adjustments and changes and before I like set anything in stone Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've been doing this audiobook loving series for nine years and it's currently, and here's full transparency, May 29th that we're recording this and I'm going, shit, I forgot to add XYZ to this other thing. So it's, yeah. it's, I think it's, it's good that you're thinking it's and trying to figure it out what works, what doesn't work. And also it being in the, you know, baby stages, right? This is going to yeah. be second time around that you do it. You're going to find kinks, none of the good kind to get rid of. <laughs> and <Good> and <laughs> And any glitches and stuff like that, and then also figure out better ways to do things. So it's always a process. And if there isn't an improvement, I always kind of question it. But like, okay, where are you with this? Because if there hasn't been a better way to do something, I'm like, why aren't we thinking it that way? So the fact that you're still going through that process is great. We'll definitely be including your stuff information as far as the links in the post later. So people will be able to find it. And, and I'm always sharing anyways, anything that you do, I'm like, share. Oh. <laughs> The sharing is caring. <laughs> Absolutely. And this is so much, this is such a community, community, like it's such an incredible community. Of course, there are always like kinks, good and bad in it. Yeah. Sharing information and sharing opportunities for others, I think is a really beautiful part of being a part of this whole romance world and the bookish world. Yeah, for sure. One of the things I do love chatting with my guest is to actually play a game called Two Truths and a Lie, where I ask <laughs> you if you should give me three things about yourself and we got to figure out what's a lie. And I also know that I get this for homework because <laughs> that is definitely not one time I want to put you on a spot. <laughs> did you? are you ready to play the three, uh, Two Truths and a Lie? I am. All right. I'm a really bad liar, so I'm going to try and make this very sneaky. 
Okay. See how she goes. <clears throat> I used to be a Mormon. I was recruited for a semi-professional female tackle football team. And my tongue only has 70% of its full function. This is where the, it's in the details. <laughs> <laughs> because it could be the, that third one about your tongue having a full function, but instead of 70s, it could be totally 30% or it can only be 80 You never know. It's just in the details. So we have, you used to be a Mormon. You used to be part of a tackle football team of sorts, and you only have 70% of function on your tongue. Fun time. Damn, girl, you did good. <laughs> Hmm. Is the lie the tongue? It is. <laughs> um, I only have about fifty <laughs> percent of full function. No. Ooh. Is there a story there that you want to share or mm. yeah, um I have a or had a a severe tongue tie and a upper and lower lip tie and a mild cheek tie and it wasn't diagnosed until about a year ago <laughs> so what's it what's a tie when it comes down to that for those of us that may not be totally aware of that um so the biggest effect is that it is a uh a ligament essentially that mm -hmm. attaches the root of your tongue to the base of your jaw at the point that it's not supposed to be at. It can be a little bit further back and can be really forward. It can be pretty severe and through the teeth. There is something that is not allowing the tongue to move at its full capacity. Oh. Uh, and it affected the way that I breathe. It affected the way that I speak. Um, it affects the way that my teeth formed and my jaw and my neck and my head and my shoulders. <laughs> Knees and toes, dominoes <laughs> all the way down. But I wow. actually saw a TikTok about someone being like, hi, you might be an adult with a tongue tie. And I said, hey, I might be an adult with a tongue tie. <laughs> and there happened to be a tongue tie specialist who lives or whose office is 10 minutes away from where I live. And so I said, you know, what? I'm going to go in and have a check on it. And I walked in. He went, yep. He didn't even look inside my mouth. He already knew that I had. Wow. Um, and he said he was very impressed that I didn't have a pretty severe speech impediment. So I'm also very glad that I don't have a severe speech impediment or I wouldn't be able to do my job very well. So yeah, I had surgery. Then it was only about like 30% access to my full mobility of my tongue. And I had surgery a year ago and had all those ties, um, cut and then went through some pretty, intense physical therapy to get rid of the lisp that developed and I still kind of have a hard time with that if I get tired but yeah it's it's much better than it was but it's never going to be a hundred percent unfortunately mm. didn't even know that was a thing yeah wow things you learn while you're playing a game <laughs> yeah, so like I can't roll my r's like oh <laughs> like that you can't uh-uh oh, wow I use my uvula <laughs> oh See, I'm fascinated by you guys in the sense of like how you use your mouth and your and where you put your voice. Like when you guys are talking about going at a higher octave or speaking from your diaphragm or speaking from the back versus mm -hmm. the front of your, I'm going, uh, yeah, I try, don't have no clue how to control those muscles. Don't even know where to go from there. <laughs> so it's an instrument. Yes. And, and I don't know how to play it. People 
spend years and years training. Yes, <laughs> to, like, yes. How to use it. So yeah. yeah. But like when I do Scottish I or dialects that require that kind of rolled R, that's usually when it pops in and gives me the most pain. Because oh, no. I have to kind of fake it. Yeah, I had no idea that that was a thing. Huh. Things you learn again. Yeah. And yeah. And um are you like have you noticed a huge difference from as far as that getting better from one of those things? I used to have pretty severe tongue tension where like, I felt like the back of my throat was closing up. I haven't experienced that since doing the surgery and the physical therapy every once in a while. If I try really hard, I can get like one trill doing the, (laughs) (laughs) it's very rare, but I'm like, Oh, that's improvement. I have a lot more just flexibility in terms of, being able to speak, it's easier. This sounds weird, but it's easier for me to eat and swallow and breathe. Relieved a lot of like neck and shoulder tension and some posture issues. So yeah, this is a PSA. Um, have your children te- checked for <laughs> tongue ties. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing how you just don't know what you don't know, but also yeah. a lot of things that kind of like when we were growing up was not even a thought. I mean, I, I know I have a lisp when it comes down to some words or when I'm speaking a lot or when I'm just being more, mm-hmm. when it gets to that relaxed thing. And I had a narrator friend kind of tell me about like where my tongue is placed in the conversation. And then the fact that that's, you know, I have a bit of an overbite and I went to the dentist and they're like, yeah, it's because of this. I'm like going, oh, great. I could have had this fixed as a child. Lovely. And so I'm like trying not to figure out different exercises and ways to purposely where to put my tongue so it doesn't have that pushing up against the teeth and then also the lists. And it's just uh-huh. like, wow, you know, I'm like, oh, goodness gracious, the amount of work that you're going. I just want to be normal. But then I look at my pug. Well, I just it's learned... Like- because yeah (laughs) no no because in the sense of like where you're talking me okay for folks that don't know look up a pug okay they have a really short snout their lungs are as if they were a german shepherd size okay um as far as the snout being long and my my pug raven is like 13 years old and she just constantly has her tongue out at this point and also with the collapsed trachea that comes with age is the breathing. So I'm like, oh shit, at this rate, I'm going to be like that when I get older. Lovely. <laughs> Just not as cute. Goodness. <laughs> Makes you feel better. I, I am a vocal professional and yes. only a year ago discovered that my tongue was resting in the incorrect position Yeah. after an extensive vocal training <laughs> <laughs> and having to relearn that. Um, but the doctor told me that a lot of the times dentists will be the one who are diagnosing a tongue tie and in dentistry, it is essentially considered an old wives tale that unless it's affecting how a baby is latching and eating, it doesn't affect the, a person. And <laughs> that's not true. Oh, no, it's not. So if you can just take care of it when they're little, cause then it's not fun when you're an adult. Oh no. Yeah. A lot of stuff should be taken care of when we were little and then don't worry about it as an adult because then we realize that we because it's only the pain and everything that has to go along with it when you're trying to fix something but then the adulting that you still have to have you know work <laughs> it's just yeah. even more stressful or learning how to speak again after yes, yes. 30 okay. years of going oh mm. now That's my so- tongue moves differently <laughs> <laughs> that so was this- really scary i was actually mm-hmm. really scared to get 
surgery because I was like, man, if something goes wrong, I lose my my everything, everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that is a scary thing. But I mean, even what what we you know consider a normal routine thing of getting you know a wisdom teeth out, how that affects you as a day job, right? For you, because that means you know oral surgery, that you know the the soreness, the the ouchies that come along with it, Mm -hmm. and. And sounding differently. My dentist wants me to get my tonsils out. And I said, absolutely not. <gasps> oh, no. But do nope. you get a lot of tonsils issues that. then? No, they're just giant. I have oh. giant tonsils. Wow. Even she says that it still kind of sounds sexy. Wait, did that sound sexy? <laughs> <laughs> tonsils are huge. <laughs> oh, goodness. When she knows that you, she, she's good at what she does, folks. Come on. Uh, <laughs> I feel like, oh. I want to read a book about tonsils. Odd. I'm sure there's something a dentist out there. romance. <laughs> Write it down, everybody. Authors, can you listen? Dentist romance. That's the next hockey romance. Oh my god, this whole thing with hockey lately. I'm like, where have you guys been? I was reading hockey romance and having it be very popular ten years ago, five years ago. It goes in waves. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. Yes. Yeah, it cracks me up. <laughs> Yeah. I love I love when those waves come through most because I so enjoy the creativity in terms of titles where like Omegaverse is really big and so like putting not into everything was always really clever and now it's like puck is in everything I find it so delightful yeah <laughs> and then you when you start googling or doing search for it like like a puck something you're like hey there was a book titled that like 10 years ago or five years ago and so I love the excitement that the readers get but uh, sometimes it's, they get a little, sometimes some of the listeners and the readers get a little bit like, guess what I discovered? And I'm going, no, honey, baby, <laughs> you're showing your green color again, as far as how new you are to this thing, because X, Y, Z. has been round three, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, show me you're new to reading and loving books by, without telling me that you're new to reading and loving books. <laughs> but I love it that it, it gets that new wave of excitement and that new wave of getting maybe new listeners to jump into it or and readers at the same time but I always kind of snicker at the end yeah. mm-hmm. like where have you been babe it's like fashion <laughs> yeah oh my god the Pull flares bell bottoms baby yep <laughs> well I remember being in my you know in, in teens in the 90s like, loving the bell bottoms and my mother giving me a look like you know we wore that in the 70s right <laughs> So it happens all the time. It happens. It's great. Yeah. The nineties coming back make me incredibly uncomfortable. (laughs) Well, aside from being called the 1900s or having an outfit that you were as a teenager, and in this case, the white t-shirt with the spaghetti strap dress over it as a Halloween costume was not at all feeling like an attack of some sort in another. No, yes, not at all. (laughs) It's the low rise jeans for me. They make me viscerally uncomfortable to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like fetal positioning right now. I'm so oh, uncomfortable no. just thinking about them. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's was um the the Jenko pants. For those that don't know that might be listening, those are the they're they started off as flares, but they got to the point where the legs were so oh, wide, but they're crazy, also crazy yeah, wide ones. Crazy, crazy wide ones, but they're also essentially to the floor. So if you're walking around and you got 
you know, and then it rained and you got a wet pedal, it really went up your entire leg. They were just uncomfortable. And now as an adult, I'm going, thank goodness no one in my household went through that phase because laundry would have been a horrible, horrible moment. And having to deal with all that fabric, I'm like, no, thank you, ma'am. But yeah, it was all the craze back when I was a teenager. Never once thinking about laundry. <laughs> oh, no. Doing it, but yeah. So when I see that vampires are coming back, for an example, as they did recently, you know, a couple of years ago or now hockey, I'm like, great, we're back. Back to pick up that book that I loved about hockey a couple of years ago and revisit it and then find new yeah. authors that are doing it and seeing how they're doing I'm it. I'm doing a vampire romance right now. And I was like, oh, huh. I forgot why people like this so much. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. My question now becomes, what are you going to shift next? Because I, again, as a reader, it was always like for when it came down to shifters, traditionally back in the day, it was like just wolf shifters. And yeah. then we would have sometimes maybe dragon shifters, thanks to Donna Grant, which I love her books. Um, and and then now it becomes a, like, what haven't you shifted yet? <laughs> because there was a squirrel, folks. Someone wrote oh, yeah. a shifter squirrel. So I'm like, great. Wow. Like, what's next? Yeah. So I was like, that, that becomes a fun adventurous part, you know, like, what, yeah. what? Yeah. It's all fun. Jake and I had this idea for a, um, like a bull shifter. Mm. Boy. And in the same harem, there's a walrus shifter. <laughs> and there's a whole um, subplot of being like, no, you're my brother of the land and you're my brother of the sea. Cause like, <laughs> A walrus is essentially just, yeah, a sea cow, yeah, and a bull is a land walrus, and so kind of finding that community and found family in each other, which means there's going to be lots of bickering. Um, yeah, got to have bickering first. They don't understand what it's like to not be in the sea. You don't understand what it's like to be on land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mine's better than yours <laughs> because, of course, siblings. Why not? <laughs> Yeah, I want to have, let me know when that one comes out. <laughs> Keep trying to get one of our authors, Britt Andrews, to write it. We have, his name would be Bo Vines and then um, Walrus Russell. We've done like samples for Britt about like what the dialects would sound like. And she's just, she, I don't know why she hasn't picked it up yet. <laughs> Man, well, I'm sure maybe she doesn't sue oh. someone else might, right? At this point, they'll listen to this episode. If anyone else wants to take it, it's a essentially free because Brit won't take it <laughs> or Brit jump on it before someone else does be the first you know I'm, I mean I'm just the gold mine here dentist romance mm-hmm. bull and walrus shifters <laughs> you're welcome everyone <laughs> well with all these creativeness coming out of you and working with words all day long what's your favorite word not your favorite curse word because that's the second part of the start of this question favorite word mm-hmm That's hard. Again, I said uh, immediately (laughs) it was all the, yeah, all the ones I don't like (laughs) are the ones that pop in my head. I'm like, no. This is the game I'm bad at. Mm. I like remarkable. That's what I say. Um, Confirm. Heaving. (laughs) That's a lot. Delicious. (laughs) Yeah, as long as I don't have to say, nuclear <laughs> i even I felt the word. uncomfortableness that you just by saying that word i even felt it's really it. hard for my tongue to move it's funny going like man why do i have such a hard, hard time doing this 
thoughts or saying these words or doing this and like, oh, it's because your tongue is deformed. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you can't do it. So like circular is a lot of tongue movement. Nuclear is a lot of tongue movement. Um, so I have to really concentrate on moving my tongue in the right ways because it won't do it naturally. <laughs> Things we don't stop to think about like when nuclear, we're talking. Nuclear. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So what about your favorite curse word? Bitch. <laughs> that one has I'm also really into saying Jesus Christ, but with a dialect. <laughs> That's my favorite curse word in real life. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> With an accent and everything, huh? Yep. <laughs> Gotta have it. Yeah. Well, just sound a little bit. Yeah, it sounds, mm, gives a little bit more emphasis on it. <laughs> for sure. But bitch, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not one that's usually said, but I, I love that's, that could be used in different formats too. So it's great. So there's like a nice little buildup because it's a plosive. So it's like, bit, And so that comes out and then the, mm-hmm. sh- <laughs> can extend it or make it really short. Mm-hmm. Bitch. I love consonants they're mm-hmm. way more fun yeah and when they do it the right way yeah and that emphasis is great and it can mean so many different things i know a lot of people times like they like fuck because it could be used in different ways but even bitch can be like you're you know from the good to the bad like you like when i talk to my best friend when i grow bitch she's like oh tell me what something's good yeah. about that <laughs> you're like bitch fuck is fun it's just a very simple word so that's why it's so fun to say um but like bitch is just a little bit more it's like chewy you gotta chew on it a little bit bitch yeah. <laughs> bitch <laughs> just sound bites of me saying bitch for the <laughs> that's the whole podcast yeah oh, oh it could be someone's ringtone bitch bitch <laughs> answer your phone bitch <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> In the combo. That's probably what I say the most. Yeah. Yeah, probably fucking Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, now we know. We're going to see, like, when we hang out, see how many times, take a drink every time she says one of the two. <laughs> Speaking of the drinking game, folks, at the next, you know, book convention, <laughs> yeah, have a fun game ready for you. <laughs> ready perfect all right so before we go can you tell us what you're currently working on and what's coming up next for you that you can share i mean how how much do you want to know well i know you have a plethora like (laughs) 13 working on now and like nine scheduled for the next month and what is most interesting Hmm. to you hey i'm the girl that is fair game as far as you know you tell me what you want to tell me and what you can tell me because i know sometimes you guys are hush hushed about you know the authors like we can't say anything or the the person doing the marketing for for that uh, author is like okay we have a plan so whatever you want to tell yeah, us most of the ones that i can't do are usually just when i'm working with a production company mm-hmm. um or a publisher that's usually when i am don't say things um the progeny by rebecca wraith who is the one that we're doing the scholarship program with um i just got the author her pickups from her review of the book back this morning um and so that should be available very soon um and we'll see how that goes and then we'll be doing 
her the next book in the series in July. We are currently working on a duet multicast for Britt Andrews' new release, uh, Hunt So Wicked. Um, that one has uh, Scandinavian, Scottish, Irish, Cockney, RP, Nigerian, um, Swedish, German, <laughs> a lot of dialects in that one. Um, but we're working with a, a fellow actor friend whose um, pseudo is James Amherst. Um, so that's been a fun project to collaborate on. And yeah, doing some um, quite a few duets, a lot of duels this month, which hasn't been the kind of uh, standard for a few months now. Um, and then next month, we'll also be doing the Beyond the Veil, which is Caroline Peckham and Suzanne Valenti's 8.5, I think, in the Zodiac Academy series. And then the Princes of Forsyth um, University for Angel Lawson and Samantha Rue. Those are probably the ones that people have their the finger on the pulse of. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Lots of goodies. Yeah. <laughs> Exciting. Lots yeah, of and dark, spooky stuff. <laughs> No, yeah, and you're really good at sharing on your socials um, what's what you're currently working on, whether it's via a live read or just telling us what's going on and then what's coming up next and also when things come out, which is one of the things I love yeah. about you guys is giving us that info. <laughs> I'm sure you know as narrators, we are not the first ones who know when books are released. Um we're not told. <laughs> so it's like, hey, your book's out. Oh, thanks. I guess I'll tell everybody else because I had no idea. Um, let me try to get it out there. And yeah, lots of them. There's always, always happening. <laughs> yeah. It's always great too because when, uh, when I find out that a book that I that I love is coming to audio and then the narrator's also been announced and stuff, I'll put on my calendar to kind of keep an eye out for it. And then I'll get these reminders, I'm like almost like a Christmas gift where you you know, purchase it in the summer and then you don't know, or you ordered it and then you get an Amazon delivery or gift mm -hmm. delivery. And you're like, I have no idea what this is. And it's like Christmas all over again. And you're going, Oh, that's right. That book's coming out. Um, <laughs> and so it's always fun when you get those emails, like it's now available. I'm like, yeah. Run to the, yeah, I have, we have some incredible and ravenous fans. And so I try to keep up for them, <laughs> but sometimes I'm like, Hey, did you know? I'm like, no, thank you for, I, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> It's okay. a, no idea that it was out. Look, why we call it a community. You tell me, I tell yeah. you. <laughs> Nobody tells me. Usually it's a fan being like, hey, it's released. Thank you so much. I will tell my PA to make a post about it. <laughs> yeah. Save Google searches are always a fun thing for me sometimes. I'm like, well, that's right. It's been a while. But I'm like, yeah, they have a release. Awesome. Um, or a genre too that I'm sometimes like we haven't we don't have enough of, but then it gets tagged as a as a genre and I could get it the alerts i'm like yay yeah but yeah the good, one of the good things about social media right is the stuff that comes out of it is the community of it and getting to get more books and hanging out with you guys um on different platforms oh. and all that fun stuff i love it it's very overwhelming sometimes but i i mean i love interacting with the readers and the authors it's it's so much fun Mm -hmm. It is, yeah. I and mean, we love it when you guys interact with us as readers and, and listeners. Kind of get a little bit of an extra layer there. But also as fans, you know, it turns out that we'll follow you guys. And if you're narrating XYZ genre that we would have never picked up on our own, but because you guys are narrating it, we'll give it a try. So it's always a win-win, I say, when it comes down to those kind of relationships. 
that um yeah. we all win. So it's wild. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is. I'm like, crap, I would have never picked up that XYZ novel, but you know, Bridget's narrating it, so I'm gonna give it a go. And uh yeah. yeah. And then and then you make it awesome and then we try someone else and you're not narrating and we're like, damn it, Bridget, it's all your fault. <laughs> I, I that is like such an incredible compliment. And I always feel so bad when people tell me that. I can only do so much and they're like, I will only listen to you. I'm like, but but other people are really good. So <laughs> I can only do so many books. Yeah, that's true. But that's also where you guys do a fantastic job of promoting your peers and sharing snippets and stuff like that. That That's also how we discover new narrators is when you guys are interacting with each other or go to a conference and you're hanging out. We're like, oh, OK, you guys, I didn't, didn't think about that and kind of discover someone new. Or a fan of yours says, hey, yeah, I love it. And someone else took over the, you know, and then I listened to them and they were awesome too. So lots of different ways to discover new folks. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being part of this year's audiobook loving series. Of course. Thanks for having me. It's been so much fun. And everyone, thank you again for hanging out with us today. And we hope you've enjoyed this interview as well as the series. Make sure to follow Bridget on her social media accounts. We're going to be including all those lists. You guys don't have to go hunting for them and you will find them over at the audiobook loving series landing page at Viviana Enchantress the books and until next time happy listening a special thank you to authors DJ Krimmer Tana Stone Landon Beach PJ Fiala and all of our sponsors of the audiobook loving 2023 series visit today's episode post to listen to sound clips of some of the books we discussed and enter the month-long giveaway if you enjoyed the audiobook loving podcast series and you want more Join the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast Patreon for early access to podcasts, exclusive content like the Would You Rather game and dinner party guests, and additional incentives such as bloopers, graphics, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobooklovin'. Thank you for joining Viviana and her guests for this podcast, and we hope you tune in again as we continue to celebrate Audiobook Month. The Audiobook Lovin' series is hosted by Viviana, the Enchantress of Books. Please make sure to visit the main page linked within the post to learn more about the entire Audiobook Lovin' series and the enchanting author and narrator guests who have joined us over the years. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a review wherever you listened. And please follow us on social media platforms and subscribe to the Viviana the Enchantress of Books newsletter. Until next time, happy listening. Audiobook Lovin' hopes you have enjoyed this program.